What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Mets Talk. I'm your host, Lewis, and my co-host, Colin Farmer. That's me. Looking spiffy as always. He has a very unique style. Yeah. Go on. What would you call it? How would you kind of categorize it? Like uh, the white v-neck and the yeah. shorts? Yeah. Kind of like um, if your dad like went to Old Navy mm. and he got everything there. So yeah. your dad. By himself. Yeah. Okay. By himself. Gotcha. For sure. So Blindfolded. a dad that goes by himself to Old Navy is kind of your style. Right. Okay. That works. We're doing a little bit of a hodgepodge episode, but we are going to mainly be focusing on the EV space, which is something we're both passionate about and thoroughly enjoy kind of digging into. Talking a lot about that, um, kind of what's on the horizon, what these manufacturers are really starting to pump out, because we're getting to that point where these manufacturers kind of promised to really start to yeah like flesh out. yeah flesh out their their EV lineup so we're kind of getting to that that timing and COVID threw it off a little bit but we're getting there so we'll talk about that and I wanted to talk with Colin a lot about the Bolt being reintroduced so quickly I made a whole video about this on the Mets Tech channel where I talked about my thoughts but I haven't gotten Colin so we'll do that we'll obviously hit our news segment and then we're also going to do something I want to start doing every couple months we won't do it every episode because it won't change that much but I wanted to do kind of like a daily carry type thing, mm. like what we're what we're working with, um, phone wise, headphone wise, whatever we keep in our backpacks, computer wise, that type of stuff. So we'll do that every few months, and we'll do the first one tonight. So it's kind of the direction we're going to go, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit at the end about grid anxiety because that is going to be a huge topic of conversation now that all of these manufacturers are cranking out these EVs. So that's kind of the schedule for the night, but let's go ahead and get started with the news. One of you all out there recommended that we name this segment Mets Bits. And while I like it, Colin said he will not be calling it Mets Bits. And it, it does sound a little bit provocative. I think we both kind of felt, you know, you, you got to keep your hands off my Mets Bits, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we need to put Mets Bits on blast, you know. Yeah. Not necessarily. Right. But it was a good, it's clever. It's clever. And I like how it's it fits, thematically. It fits yeah, it sort fits. of the, the scheme, the mm -hmm. rhythm of everything yes. else. So, And again, if you all want to submit your topic ideas for the podcast, there's three ways you can do it. You can email podcast at itsmets.tech, or you can text us at 502-509-4384, or follow us on Instagram at Mets Talk Podcast. Do we have a threads? We do. We have a threads. I forgot to mention that. You can also follow us at Mets Talk Podcast on threads. So those are the ways that you can communicate and submit your podcast ideas. All right, let's go ahead and get started with this first, <laughs> first story that, that ties in so much to what we've talked about in the past. YouTube is adding a slew of new TikTok-like features to shorts. How do we feel about that? It's what we everybody has been waiting for. Everybody's been waiting for this. You know how much I absolutely love YouTube Shorts. <laughs> YouTube is rolling out more features to its TikTok competitor Shorts. This is via The Verge. Most notably, YouTube is experimenting with adding previews of live videos to a user's feed. Um, so they kind of, I guess, like jiggle back and forth. Is that kind of... Hmm, I don't know. I think, I guess that's what they're saying. Because when you scroll through somebody's like TikTok feed, like all the videos are like a GIF almost. They kind of do this little shimmy thing, like whatever the first couple frames are. Interesting. Um, also going to mirror the way TikTok has emphasized live video as a way to sell products, of course. Hmm. 
and host splashy virtual events. Great, we definitely need more of those that boost engagement. Uh, YouTube also says full screen live videos will roll out gradually over the next coming months. So I don't know if you're familiar with TikTok, but there's a whole segment of TikTok that is just people doing live streams yeah. on there in vertical. And the new thing that people are doing, have you seen this? The kind of... Uh, I feel like I have NPC yeah, reactionary yeah. Um, type thing where yeah. they just say the same things over and over again. They kind of do their robot like. Thanks for the roses. Smells so good. Thanks for the music. La la la. Thanks for the cat paws. Meow. Thanks for the roses. Smells so good. Yum yum. Yeah. Yum yum. It is peak, just unwatchable content. But they make a lot of money off of it. So. Uh. Shout out to people you, that you respect the hustle. Yeah, you gotta shout, respect the hustle. Shout out to people that can lower their just self-esteem, just take pride off the board altogether and do that. Uh, in similar news, Chevy is killing the base trims of several vehicles, but um, mainly the Blazer EV. Hmm. So there was the entry-level $45,000 1LT trim, and Chevy has killed it off. How do we feel about this? I wonder why. I wonder what the the reasoning there is. Like, is the Bolt, spoiler alert, is the Bolt going to be enough of a product in that space, that price range, Mm -hmm. that you no longer need a low-trim blazer? Because why else? If this has anything to do with the Bolt, I'm terrified because. Doesn't mean the Bolt's going to be more expensive. Yeah. Are they going to start the Bolt or is there going to be like a Premier Bolt or whatever at 45K? Because a Premier Bolt now is like 30 six or 37 did they say what the what the idea is for the euv because maybe they position it so that i mean do they call it an euv or do they do a trax ev or what like if you if you want a smaller suv than a blazer what is that going to be uh the equinox hmm. so i guess that's yeah that's where we're falling here so you'll have kind of the the bolt the Equinox Blazer, and you'll have all that entire price point covered. Yeah, I mean, in that case, that's that's not that bad. Yeah, but that changes the the starting price of the Blazer. So the starting price of the Ice Blazer is thirty six. Hmm. The Premier, the top spec model RS and Premier, both the same price forty four one ninety five. So the base model Blazer EV was going to be the top spec price of the gas-powered EV or the gas-powered Blazer, which is sort of what, what we've come to expect a little bit. But now the base price is going to start at 57 for the Blazer EV. $12,000 more than the top spec gas-powered one. I don't know. I'm just confused why you would eliminate a bottom trim. I think it's to boost sales of the Equinox. I think they're projecting low sales of the Equinox, which is yeah. surprising to me. But I think... And we'll talk about it more when we talk about the Bolt. But I think like kind of the Bolt, people love the Bolt so much. The Equinox is a new EV edition. So maybe they're kind of panicking and trying to like really differentiate these models to really pull people and say like, we want people to buy this Equinox. So we got to make it like the affordable, medium-sized SUV. And really put the Blazer out of reach of like this certain segment so that only the higher end So then what do you do with like a Traverse? They're not as of right now doing a Traverse EV. They just are redesigning the Traverse ICE version this upcoming year. So Hmm. this this model year is the last one of the kind of super outdated styling. But no announcement of an EV version. But Hmm. 
Well, then maybe that's what the Blazer's there to do. I think so. I think it's going to be that kind of like larger-ish SUV. It's it's still not large. Like the Equinox is like the small. The Bolt is like the subcompact. Yeah. The Blazer's like the standard. And then maybe you have like a Tahoe EV or something. Yeah. And that's like your full-size like SUV. Talking about our episode two weeks ago, Stark County opens its first smart home. And at the end of the episode where we talked about smart home, I mentioned how important it was going to be for smart home systems to become super simple and compatible and easy to set up so that people with disabilities can take full advantage of the creature comforts that are at, you know, at the push of a button or the, the, or even just saying them out loud and things can happen. And this is kind of like that. Yeah, so it says smart home devices may seem like a convenience, but for individuals with developmental disabilities, they play a crucial role in their ability to live independently. So from the outside, it looks no different than the other houses, but it has unique features. It has a zero entry design, meaning no steps are required to access any parts of the home. It is equipped with two-way remote support system that allows service providers to check in via video chat. The kitchen uh, uses... induction stovetops that use pots and pans that don't heat up on the outside. Uh, The stovetop only works using specific pans and the burners automatically turn off if they don't detect activity. The smart refrigerator reads aloud step-by-step recipes. You brought that up specifically um, that residents can follow. The washer and dryer have sensors that detect the amount of clothing inside, helping to simplify the laundry process. They have smart locks, ring doorbells, monitored uh, fire alarms, fall detection sensors, GPS watches that can track them if they leave the house. All kinds of stuff. All the stuff that you and I talked about in that episode. Sensors, sensors, sensors throughout that make people with disabilities be able to function on their own. Super, super cool stuff. I wonder what the blueprint for something like this looks like. Like, is this kind of a one-off thing? Mm -hmm. Or are they partnering with these companies, these product manufacturers to say, yeah, we would like to be able to build homes in this style with this setup for lots of people? Yeah. I don't know about retrofitting. That would be interesting. A lot of the stuff that they described there sounds like it could be retrofitted very yeah, I was easily. Say it didn't seem like anything too big. Not like it, other than like the wired in monitoring system. Yeah, but still, even then, you could definitely do that. But finally, kind of like we were talking about with the um, kind of the Blazer killing its base trim, Lucid, they slashed the air price to challenge Tesla in the EV price war from 87.4 to 82.4. Yeah, so it's a car for the people. It's, it's really for the masses. So they, uh, there you go. Lucid slashed the prices a little bit to make the yeah, Jalopnik, make them under $100,000. Jalopnik calling that slashing prices. It is a little fast and loose with the term slashing. Yeah. But, they, uh, they ticked them down. Yeah, they notch. brushed a little bit off the top. Yeah. That's about it. Now we're going to move into another little segment on our daily carries. So you can make this as brief or as in-depth as you want to. And I'll let you go first. Uh, what, do I, what do I keep on deck? Not a whole lot, I'll be honest. Uh, phone wallet keys, like in terms of like every day, that's it. Uh, it's a Pixel 7 Pro. I got the Pixel 6 Pro. Not 7. I got the yellow. Bellroy case. I got a bunch of Bellroy uh accessories actually they make pretty nice stuff beyond that i mean got the the pixel buds a for earbuds uh the sennheiser momentum threes for headphones that's about it i mean day to day not a whole lot of stuff are those sennheisers are those wired they're wireless 
They're wireless? Yeah. Okay, cool. The Act noise canceling is not as good as like a Bose because that's what they do, but the audio is very nice. What about your laptop? What do you got over there? Uh, this is a Lenovo Yoga 9i, I think. Open box from Best Buy. Classic. Just for... a big box guy. Well, it was it was like $300 off, I think. It was still like a, an $1,100 laptop. It looks it. like it's got a cool like like almost like faux leather texture on it's, the top. Uh, that's real leather. Oh, that's real leather. That's a real leather. Buddy. Wow. This color is called shadow black. It also has a haptic synthetic leather. I hope <laughs> it's also got a haptic trackpad. Nice. Uh, but the firmware on it's a little buggy, so mm. it's not the best. I don't have like the attention span to be able to carry a bunch of shit around with me. So if I, you don't carry like a switch or anything like that or no. a steam deck or no, cause I think I would lose it if I had to carry it around. And also, I would just forget that I had it because I would get involved in doing something else. Like on your keys and your wallet, do you use any like like tracking stuff nope. or any of that kind no of gadgets tile. and gizmos? Uh, that is risky, my friend. No gadgets, no gizmos. I just don't lose things. I'm gotten good, pretty good, good at it. Good for you. That is not me. What about you? What 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 does your daily carry look like? If mine is... Because mine sounds pretty boring. <laughs> I don't think mine is like more interesting, really. It's just I have more stuff. Mm. Well, you also didn't mention your your watch. Oh, yeah, well, I don't we have talked it about it last week. Yeah, just Pixel Watch. Just Pixel Watch. Yeah. Okay. How how do you like that? Tell me about that real quick. Uh, it's nice. I like. I feel like I don't use it as much as I could. Do you wear it like all the time? Do you sleep in it? When I have it on, yeah, I'll wear it all the time. I'll get a a good couple days without always on display on. I carry my backpack is like Mary Poppins bag a little bit. I mean, I have. At any given time, 16 hard drives over there in that little hard drive bag I have. I, legitimately, there's probably nine hard drives in there of, of varying capacities, SSDs, actual hard hard drives. Because um, all my different cameras use SSDs. <clears throat> I edit off of SSDs for the podcast, for Mets Tech stuff. I always have my 2021 16-inch MacBook Pro. Um, this one's <laughs> very, it's, it's, it's showing its age a little bit, um, but it is fully spec'd. I mean, it's the, uh, it's the M1 max. It's got 64 gigs of Ram, the bigger screen, the liquid retina display promotion, all that kind of mumbo jumbo. So it is fully like top of line specs, but it's just, especially editing this pod, man, it is, it's dragging. I've had to throw it over here on the, on I was going to say, it's, I mean, to me, it is still not that you would even be able to edit on a macbook so yeah no the macbooks are it's a testament to how good apple silicon is they're crazy for for what you're able to do on these kind of like solid state yeah machines obviously i've got the apple watch series ultra so this is the big daddy right it's a 49 inch screen 49 (laughs) to be fair i would wear it if it was 49 inches it's like (laughs) my whole arm as big as my tv yeah it's <laughs> just like a monitor just strapped <laughs> onto my wrist. Look like a shield. Uh, 49 millimeter. That's what I meant to say. 49 millimeter screen. And to be fair, I think I even tweeted this out jokingly. If it were 55, 60 millimeter, I'd still wear it. Yeah. I love big screen watches. Even yeah. if they look. You almost want like the Flavor Flav like clock. The clock. Yeah. Yes. On the necklace. Yeah. Yes. I've got the iPhone 14 Pro Max. I think that's the generation we're on. Yeah. 14 Pro Max. I upgrade my phone every year, so it's just like whatever the new one is. I just rotate through. I just do the one-year phone plan through whoever. Yeah. Upgrade it every year. 
But my bag, like my actual backpack is just full of like every zipper pocket you open. There's like different tools in there for like fixing cameras and like got like tiny screwdrivers and stuff. It's I like that you keep all that with you. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, so I air tag everything. I've got an air tag in my backpack. I've got an air tag in my camera bag just so I can keep an eye on all where all my stuff is because mm. I do lose it often. Obviously, I'm rocking AirPods Pros, the newest generation ones, and then I've got uh, Pro Maxes over there that I never wear. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. We had this specific topic listed back when we did episode one. We mm. talked about the Bolt um, and just in-vehicle systems and things. And this was about vehicles offering features on a subscription-based service. So you actually were the one that added this in here. The ability to like use vehicle functionality like heated seats and, and downloading downloading more ram or downloading yeah. more horsepower yeah. to your car well not even downloading it just like just paying to unlock it, it. Yeah. yeah so having these features it, it'd be like you know how every vehicle has like dummy has all the like buttons switches, already there yeah, that blank switches but some of them can't turn you know, because you haven't paid for the high enough trim to get that thing unlocked. It's kind of the same thing. But if all the switches were there, they could all be interacted with. You just They just wouldn't do anything until you paid. Yeah. I think what bothers people about this, and it, not to say that it's not, like, fair for this to be, like, condemned. Like, it is certainly an annoying thing. Like what's bothersome about this is the hardware is in the car. It's affecting the car, but you aren't getting any benefit from it. So like if you have heated seats, that means there is some amount of heat wiring, whether that's like tubing or whatever, yeah. responsible for heating those seats that is in the seat that is weighing the car down, but you aren't able to use right until you pay some premium. Yeah. So you're in turn paying for it because it's weighing, you know, it's, it's impacting you know, the mileage and different things like that, but it's locked right. for you to use. Tesla's whole thing is is autopilot, right? And when you're going to spec out your car, you're like, oh man, man this is kind of like affordable. And then it's like, oh, I want to use like the selling point of a Tesla, which is like their autopilot. And it's like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 add-on. And you're like, oh, well, this puts it into a completely different price bracket. Yeah. In the case of Tesla, let's, let's, Go along that line specifically. Those sensors probably aren't going to do that much to the overall sort of health of the car or the performances or whatever when they're not being used for self-driving functionality, right? If Tesla then built that into every car and then charged that as a monthly premium to be able to use the self-driving, I think people would largely be all right with that because it feels more like a software thing and people are more willing to pay for software as a service than like physical features of a car. Maybe this is like kind of testing the waters, like a precursor to we'll offer these vehicles almost like in like a subsidized way and you pay for the features. Yeah. In a, just a new way to do this. It's like almost like a lease. It. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a different iteration of a lease. You're like leasing like the body of something and then like paying yeah. for paying for, if you want like the best of all the features you pay this amount if you want right. a little bit less you pay this yeah amount. once you once it's clear that like you don't own this thing it's something you're you're renting from us then people are going to be more willing to pay for stuff like that that could be really interesting if they just start selling like instead of 
Chevy selling a RS Blazer and a 2LT Blazer. They just sell the Blazer. And then you and it has everything. It and up. you decide what you yeah. want it to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think you run into a couple things with that with like upholstery stuff. Like, how do you do upholstery? Yeah. You can't like. Some of it isn't. Yeah, maybe you could. Maybe if you have kind of threads that can oh future tech future tech i don't people would be very upset about that <laughs> they're like if, you forgot to pay this month so we're putting cloth yeah we <laughs> your leather your seat your cloth. <laughs> and it's gotten way like it's got some kind of like um you know like tension in it so it like gets stiffer so yeah. it's like less comfortable yeah. and the, the pattern is really ugly it looks like bus seats <laughs> yeah. that that is that's where we're getting dystopian yeah um, that would be hilarious though speaking of that we have a ton of new EVs that are hitting the market. I pulled this list from Car and Driver of what we've kind of got coming down the pipeline. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this because that's boring. But just kind of run through this list. We didn't even have to go line by line. Just give it a quick skim and Ooh. talk about the ones that kind of stand out. I didn't know they were going to do a Julia EV. I really like the look of the Julia. It's yeah. kind of like a, a BMW if it you is. didn't want to drive a BMW. Also a BMW if they An ca- Italian cared BMW. about what the front looked like at all. That's the front front end of the BMW. The Celestique is an interesting move because this like shooting brake design is not something that you get a lot of in American cars. Yes, no doubt about that. And that one just just got announced. Um, Did you see the price tag on that one? Yeah, I did. Um, And it said this car driver says it's going to be built by hand. Built by hand. And it will cost upwards of three hundred k. Who is this for? The gagillionaires that want some. Okay, like, yeah, but gagillionaires don't drive Cadillacs. This uh, the car and driver article says, will it be enough to vault GM's luxury brand into discussions with Bentley and Rolls Royce? We'll have to wait and see. No, <laughs> no. I can tell the answer you right is now. no. I've never heard of this brand. Is it Canoe? Is that how you say it? I would assume so. It's a startup from California. I Cano? immediately Cano? write off anything that begins with startup i mean apart from lucid and rivian Mm -hmm. rivian yeah these are very like rivian-esque looking to me like if you told me that yeah rivian is like putting out like some like utility type vehicles more more so utility than what they already do i would believe you because the way they do their headlights um on this this startup it's there's a pickup that looks like something out of a this pickup concept reminds me of like when Black Ops 2 came out, what they were like projecting in 2012, <laughs> what like the future utility yes. military vehicles would look like. Volkswagen's stuff is super cool. The Fisker coming out with an entire lineup too, in the same vein. Yeah, I think you have a lot of manufacturers realizing that, oh, shoot, like once you kind of build an EV base. Yeah, you build these platforms. You, can you just build do anything. whatever you want yeah. on it. You can build a whole lineup in like a couple years because it's just paneling and suspension and mm-hmm. motors. In that similar vein, we didn't talk about this in the notes portion, but Subaru recently stated they're going to be dropping eight uh, electric vehicles. I think by wow. 2028. Uh, Subaru doubles its plans for new EVs, targeting eight models by 2028. I was right on that. Um, they're upping its EV sales goals and now aims to sell 600,000 EVs by 2023. 600, they've probably sold. <laughs> do you even count the Solterra as a Subaru EV? Why wouldn't you? Because it's a Toyota, it's a BZ4X. It's, it's just, it has a Subaru badge on it. I don't count that. I, 
<laughs> Subaru Solterra sales 436 in May of 2023. Hmm. So you want to project that out. You've sold 36,000 of these things. That's not that bad. It's not terrible. If they don't start coming out with like the name brand, like here's the Outback EV, here's the Crosstrek EV, like they have to. They're not selling they're not selling 570,000 more Toyota crossovers. There's no way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I could see them bringing in a new nameplate too. Maybe they keep the Solterra and they do something else. They have on here the Volkswagen ID8, which has not been revealed yet, but this thing, this looks just like an Atlas to me. <laughs> that's, I mean, uh, that's honestly probably what it is. Actually, I think it is an Atlas. Yeah. Yeah, it is a 2021 Atlas. I was, I say. was very interested in the ID7 until they absolutely butchered it. They do something different? It just looks gross. It's just too, it looks like the Mach E. Like a little bit stubbier than the Mach-E. Yeah. Like it's like a sedan. It's been like. Raised up. Yeah. Yes. It's like a, it's, it looked like it got stretched. Yes. So there's a lot of of new EVs coming out. And one of the things that we talked about in episode one. A lot was, of new EVs coming back in one. A lot or, of brand new EVs. And then one dear old friend <laughs> making his, <laughs> his or her return. Not sure. Um, the Bolt. The Bolt's coming back. Yeah. I made a video on this the day i woke up to the email <laughs> i pulled out my phone very first thing that i saw was hey lewis exciting bolt news and i was like what and i clicked on it and boom there it was the bolt is back baby colin i gave a eight minute gush fest on how i was excited that it was coming back what do you think as far as the timing, why now? Why two months after they discontinued it? Like, why? Great question. I think I think they just kind of discounted and didn't really think about the appeal of an affordable small EV mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And once, like, if you look at the used market for EVs, which I have been doing recently, it is almost exclusively bolts. And that's kind of a good sign i mean it's bolts it's not exclusively bolts it's bolts and leafs but like yeah if you compare the two bolts bolt yeah it's bolts is gonna win out over the leaf yeah who wants to use chat emo charging nobody and nobody yeah so i think they have maybe seen that or like at least factored that in a little bit more and then we're able to say if we kind of keep this nameplate going and have people moving from bolt to bolt like this is a little bit more of a safe bet than we thought it was do you think they were expecting the kind of reaction that people had maybe but i also don't think they care that much the bolt has a surprisingly large following yeah it is it is not surprising i shouldn't say that because it's the leader in affordability uh, you know practicality for the electric vehicles yeah if you are somebody who like wanted to go ev and i mean that's why you and i have them like it was a a really really easy first step into getting an electric vehicle and i think chevy is i mean maybe that's a part of it too like okay evs are happening clearly like we are devoting as a sort of society Mm -hmm. all of these companies are sort of devoting all their energy towards this so how do we convince the average customer and teach the average customer how to do an EV and how to work this, maybe the Bolt is a good entry point for that. Yeah. 
So if we can make a cheap bowl and start getting in, getting teens into them, like, like that's that is probably the scale that like at which Chevy is thinking. I mean, they've been a company for a hundred plus years. Yeah. You're going to keep in mind that you need to set these things in motion decades in advance. I mean, that was what I argued from day one when you and I talked about it on the pod when I made my Bolt is Dead video. I was like, you have to have an entry point. You cannot go just straight into the like 35, 38 right. starting point. You have to have an entry point. Well, people aren't going to take a risk like that. No, especially, especially if they haven't been in the EV space at all. Yeah, well, because they're coming from, oh, I'm driving my used whatever, Malibu or, mm-hmm. or something that I've had for a while. Like, why am I suddenly going to jump to an EV if it's going to cost me twice as much Mm -hmm. and is a risk and i don't know if i'm going to be able to charge it but if it's significantly cheaper then you can say oh well you know charging it might be a pain in the butt but i'm also paying 200 dollars less a month or whatever and they have such a good opportunity here to rectify some of the issues the bolt has and if they do what people are predicting which is tripling the fast charging speed they have to they they do have to but if if they do that it yeah it, it it will be the one. Yeah. Like that's what people will, like anyone that's like, I'm, I don't know. They're going to get a bowl. I wonder, do you think they're going to facelift it? I talked about it a little bit in the video. I do think they're going to facelift it because I don't think it looks enough like the Equinox Blazer. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to bring it up. I think they're going to get rid of the EV altogether. They're just going to call the bolt. It's just going to be the bolt. And I think they're going to, have it be large, the larger EUV size, which mm-hmm. is not a lot larger. It's just a couple inches bigger than yeah. the regular bolt. Stretch it out a little bit, squish it down a little bit, and make it look just like the Equinox, but smaller. Yeah. Kind of like how Volkswagen does their lineup. Like if you just look at like, yeah, you just sort of scale down the thing, things. It's, and it's just all... larger versions. Yeah. They almost look indistinguishable. And sometimes it's hard to tell what's a Tiguan and what's an Atlas Cross Sport because yeah. they're so similar in size, but just a little bit bigger, a little bit more. Um, leg room, a little bit more headroom, things like that, shoulder space, whatever. So I think that's what they're going to do. I still, I shortened my timeline. I said three to five years. Now I'm thinking two to three um, because they announced it so quickly. And I think we could see um, like a reveal or announcement here in the next year. Yeah. And then say, hey, it's coming for 2025. Yeah. But I'm glad it's back. You know, I I wish, and maybe it will, but I'm I wish the timeline would kind of sync up to where I could just... Get rid of this lease and just hop into the new version, the new generation with faster charging and all this kind of stuff. I think once people start to realize, too, that charging doesn't have to be at charging stations. Yes, definitely. That's a massive part of it is people realizing that you can have an electric car in a rural environment. Because if your commute is anything lower than the complete range of the car, Mm -hmm. then you just plug it in and you're back to full overnight. I'm I'm completely with you. And I... and on top of that, like we've talked about, like, I don't know what your energy bill went up, but mine went up $20. It's nothing. It is nothing. Now, if you're charging every single night all the way up, maybe. I mean, even then, yeah. Even then, it's still going to not be You're looking be near at 55, what? 50-ish kilowatts. Yeah. And depending, like, pricing is done per kilowatt. And you're most likely going to be charging at night, so you're going to be off-peak. If that is a concern... And that is a something that's holding you back. You can't charging. Afford, you can't afford gas. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's that's not it. Yeah. Exactly. Let's talk about this here as our our outro here, and this kind of ties into what we're talking about right now. 
This is an article from uh, energyportal.eu. I don't know why the EU is covering this, but the UK is worried about uh, Texas electric grid. They said, is Texas electric grid ready for the future of electric vehicles? People have been experiencing grid anxiety since the devastating winter storms in February of 2021 exposed the state's energy infrastructure failure. Now, as record-breaking heat waves hit the region, the question arises, is the grid prepared for the increased energy demands from electric vehicles? What say you? Is this a concern that you have? Um, I mean, I think it's a valid concern. I don't think it's a concern I have because I'm an optimist. And also not in Texas. <laughs> I think... Like, if there's a power generation shortage, people will build more power generators. Yeah. Like, we'll just, like when the problem actually arises, we'll just it build could be more a temporary issue yes. that then gets rectified. Yes. Yeah. We're not going to be having rolling blackouts for the rest of our lives so right. that we can have EVs. That's right. ridiculous. Right. Why would we live like that? Yeah. Like, we have, <laughs> we have the resources. And, like, people will make money by building... Yeah power plants exactly or by installing wind turbines or whatever yeah, like why wouldn't they mention here yeah. why wouldn't they just do that and then <laughs> the problem is solved well the thing is like with a lot of these different issues is you people aren't doing these proactively yeah they because we don't get, need them they have to get forced into doing them when a problem arises right well and part of that is because it's very expensive to run a first of all any sort of like big infrastructure but like, especially when it comes to power plants, like it's something that needs to be running all the time mm-hmm. and always has to be pumping energy into the yeah. grid because they don't have batteries and your options are keep the power plant on or turn it off. And if you turn it off, suddenly you are losing money because you have a bunch of people who are not like who are on the clock and you're not selling power the grid so you are just losing money there's no reason to have the power plant there so this will not get solved until it becomes a problem like we can think ahead and be like okay well let's start making moves to be buying land or building uh concepts for power plants and and that is things or those are things that people are already doing um but at no point are we going to be like having a dearth of power in the grid because it would be a massive waste to do that. You would have people who are losing a lot of money yeah, because we're making more power than we need. The article mentions here, EVs also have the potential to benefit the grid. So some EV models are designed with bi-directional charging capabilities. I know the Ionic 5 has that. Yeah. And a lot of other vehicles will continue, I think, to add this functionality as they become more like practical um, and, and less kind of niche, you know, yeah. I mean? like more gritty. Um, so they can allow, it will allow them to return energy to the grid or power homes. So if you do run into those situations with the rolling blackouts or whatever, you just plug your, you know, Silverado EV into your house and yeah. power your house until the grid's back up. And then when it's back up, you plug your car and charge it back up. Yeah. it That could benefit for sure. Yeah. It's kind of a weird... <laughs> I don't know if that's how I would would have phrased the flip side. Like True. EVs also might benefit the grid. Like people aren't going to go home and say, oh, everybody remember to plug your cars in tonight so we don't have a rolling blackout and the grid can use our power. It's, But yes, I mean, that certainly is true. Like power outages will become significantly easier to 
deal with if you can just run your house off of your car. I would love, would have loved if my Bolt could have powered our house when we didn't have power for like, what, three or four days, like yeah. in June or whatever. That would have been amazing because it was so hot in here and I wouldn't have had to go to my mom's for a little bit. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a valid concern. Like, I don't want to discount it, but also it feels like this is one of those problems that people kind of thought about for like 15 seconds and were like, uh-oh, EVs are bad. Yeah. And like you can use it as sort of that sort of talking point. But guys, like people are better than that. Like yeah. we have... Give people some credit. Yeah, we have the resources to do something about this. And when it becomes a problem, we will. And also, why does Texas not have like solar panels on every roof I, there? It's insane. To, they're just like... Why don't they have like government... Maybe they do. I'm just talking to my butt right now. But why, why don't they have like... That is like a standard that you have to have. Yeah. It, because they could generate so much power that way. I mean, it, it probably has something to do with like... I mean... The, cost, maintenance. Cost and maintenance on it is annoying, but also like teaching everybody how to install solar panels on their houses and they do it right. And I was watching Marquez's video on the his solar roof. I don't know if you watched any of that, but um, he did a breakdown of all the numbers and stuff. It was like $100,000 or something for him to install these Tesla solar panels, but they're not even like solar panels that like sit on the roof. They're like shingles. Yeah, that are yeah, yeah. solar panels. Like, why not just build the houses? Like, if you're getting a new roof in 2023, you're getting a solar roof. You should. I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's what I would do, at least. If I could afford it, I would. It, they are do. significantly more expensive. I think yeah. new roofs are on the order of, like, a couple ten thousand dollars, mm-hmm. tens of thousands of dollars in solar panels. You're looking at significantly more. I think if you just did, like, regular panels that you installed, they're way uglier, like... I think everybody should have them because I w- my dad wants me to get them. I mean, at the very least, it's like here is a passive way to make help money the grid. and help the grid. Yeah, like especially if you if you do the batteries too, like have a battery system in your garage to yep, save up that. Power. And a lot of power providers, like grid maintainers, will basically if you put into the grid more yeah, power like payback. Yeah, more yep. power than you take out. You just get paid for the, what you give back. Well, Marquez talked about it in the video, actually. He said that when it, when he was off peak and the the power was going back, it like winds the meter the opposite yes. way. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be... That is, I think, the way that you kind of fix a lot of these things. But I, again, like all the other things we've talked about on this podcast, it comes down to it being cost effective right now. And I yeah. just don't think it is for most people. Yeah, for most people, it's not. And it's... It, it kind of has to be the thing where either you look for opportunities for it to work for you or you just wait for it to become get affordable. There. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's with anything else. You'll have people who are willing to take the risk to be early adopters or really care about this as an issue and will put the money in for it. Uh, but until it becomes cheap enough so that the average person can do it, it's largely not going to get done. All right. Good stuff. All right, guys. That was episode six. Six. I almost said five. No, it's been six. That was episode six of Mets Talk. We talked a lot of EV stuff, which something we're super passionate about, like I said. Did our news, did our daily carries. Again, if you guys want to interact with the show, three ways. You can email podcast at itsmets.tech. You can text, let's see if I can get this number right, 502-509-4384. That sound right to you? Sure. If it's not, it'll be on screen. <laughs> And you can follow us on Instagram at Mets Talk Podcast. Send us a DM. 
it doesn't even have to be a super fleshed out idea. If you guys just have a question or yeah, absolutely. you know, anything that you want us to throw around, like we'll do these kind of mixed bag episodes where we talk about all kinds of stuff and we'll throw your all's question in there. So you can definitely interact that way. Colin, it was a good episode. Hey, thanks for being here. Thank I you. Appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next week.